Welcome to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast, a safe space for honest, transparent, authentic, and real-life gist about being a mother, African style. I am your hostess with the mostess, Barry Dakara, and I'm here to share the unique experiences of being an African mother. Thank you for tuning in. Oya, drop the kids, get comfy, and make we start! Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. This episode is going to be a pretty long one, so I will not spend too much time on the introduction. However, I have to introduce you to Kumbi, who I call my podcast guru. She gave me a lot of advice about using Anchor and has helped me you know, with pushing and giving me advice on this podcast as well. So I'm very grateful to her. Kumbi is the founder of Perfect, which used to be Al Perfect. And I think it was Perfect Bling and all of these wonderful things. But anyways, she started her brand Perfect to showcase celebrations, all the celebrations of life. But at the same time, um, she shared her story about having endometriosis and the effects it had on her with in regards to fertility issues. She is the mom of a, I think he's 18 months old now, or and he's so cute. And she was very generous and gracious enough to share her story leading up to having her son. And um, I think it's a very... It's a very loaded episode without it being heavy, right? So there's a lot of information. Um, You may shed some tears, but um, these are the kind of stories that I want to be able to share. I want us as African women to be able to um, share with each other. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. So just go grab a cup of tea or grab some wine Whatever it is, or if you're driving, please do not drink and drive, but I hope you enjoy this episode. And also, there's a community that Kumbi has just started. It's called TTFC, so those who are trying to freaking conceive, (laughs) that's what it's called, yes, trying to freaking conceive. So it's for people who have tried to conceive or who are in the middle of trying to conceive, and it's a community that I'm sure will be a boon and um, support system to a lot of um, women, men, couples who have been in that journey or are still in that process. Anyway, so welcome to the episode again and I hope you enjoy it. So let's get started on the episode. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. It has been I feel like almost two months in the making at this point. Yeah, (laughs) the shame is real on my end. I know it's been, it's been, you know, it's been a while. Two months, I think, yeah, because we're in August. Yeah, I think we've had like three different attempts. Like once I was sick, you were sick, and then, uh, well, anyway, we're here now, so thank God. Third time. So, Miss Kombi, guru of life, Ah. could you please... (laughs) Could you please introduce yourself, let us know a little bit more about you, and let the Mommy Oyoyo audience know who you are. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Kumbi. Um, I'm a publisher. I'm an attorney. I'm a... I'm many things, I guess. I'm a, I'm a friend. 
I am um I founded a company called Isle Perfect a couple of years ago, seven actually. And um this year we rebranded into Perfect. I'm saying that just to like give background, but I'm the founder of Perfect. It's a lifestyle publication that focuses on celebrations. And um, I'm also an attorney, 10 years going on strong now. So that's happening. And I am um, a mom, a mom to one wild, 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 one and a half year old at the moment. And yeah, so that's who I am, like in a nutshell. Thank you for that introduction. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm trying to narrow it down to a f- to fewer sentences, you know, because I could go on and on about who I am because then it gets right. kind of essential, right? <laughs> and you love wine. Let's not forget that. I, I didn't want to say anything about that because, you know, but it's 11.14 and I have a mimosa right beside me because, you know, oh, I felt it was oh. only a part. <laughs> so I didn't want to say that part, but, you know, I love wine. My original plan was, since we're going to record at night, my plan was to have my glass of chocolate wine. Ooh, so we could just I've never had chocolate wine. It's so good. It's really, really good. You should try it. And everybody on Mommy you should try chocolate wine too. Yes. Kumbi and I like to drink, okay? It helps us with our pain. Exactly. And I know that a lot of moms can relate to that outside right now. Let's all be real here. Let's not lie. It's all part of the process. <laughs> Okay, so let's continue with the topic here. Um, we're going to be talking more about your um, trying to conceive journey and um, your, um, I guess, issues that you've had with endometriosis and everything. So let's just get right into it. Would you mind sharing your story, um, you know, regarding the struggles that you've had um, leading up to having your son? Okay. Yeah. So you see, that's part of the reason why I needed the wine here, because it's actually one of those stories that every time I go back to it, I'm just in awe of how, like, I made it through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, my infertility story started, I would say, about a year and a half into my marriage. I got married in 2012. I was 26. So, I mean, honestly, children weren't really at the forefront of my, you know, like, story. and. Right just because I know that there's some other people out there. Honestly, I, I wasn't really even, like, I'm not as, <laughs> I'm not as into children as you'd, ex- like, you'd expect now anyway. But um, in general, it's just, I just always thought of them as oh, these things that just come with, you know, the whole process. But um, I think a year and a, like after a year, uh, my husband and I had already discussed that we were going to wait a little to start trying to get pregnant. And so like maybe about a year and some into our um, marriage we were like okay yeah so let's we're not necessarily trying to conceive per se but let's stop trying not to conceive let's so uh-huh. we're just trying not to try like basically just going with it and so that's when the process started I would say that that's when the infertility story started but in terms of my endometriosis which I'll get into in a bit that obviously has been going on since I've had a period and I started my periods when I was 14 so um I'd always had horrible horrible painful periods in fact one of the reasons why Barry and I couldn't record is because I was having a very horrible period this last cycle so it's always something that's been part of me the thing about it is that I actually honestly thought it was just normal I've always thought that um, painful periods were part of the process as a woman I mean in fact because I started my period somewhat later than my peers and I was in boarding school 
I was even just so happy to have the pain, to be honest. I was like, oh God, now I'm a woman, you know, like this is it. Like I have my period and it's supposed to be like, please, I'm on my menses. Don't talk to me. I'm busy. So, so that's always been like, like, I mean, honestly, I was even wearing as a badge, as a badge of honor. Like, you know, I'm now, I'm bleeding. Don't talk to me, please. Okay. I'm just walking around here bleeding. You know, exactly. Please. I'm, 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 I'm on. Anyway, <laughs> that, so like, it's never really been something that, um, like, you know, raised a red flag for me for the longest time, at least in the beginning. And then my mom, um, my mom told me that she never had painful periods. So it was even more like, oh, please, I'm stronger than you then. Cause like, yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm such a hateful daughter. But anyways, <laughs> like in general, it was just like, okay, cause my sister and I have really painful periods and it kept mm-hmm. going. And then, um, I think it was like maybe around when I was like 19, when I started to see an American doctor, <laughs> when we moved here when I moved here for school and um that was the first time I heard anything about it not being normal to have painful periods that lasted like seven days and um so I still didn't I, I wasn't provided with any kind of answer obviously it was just more like okay it shouldn't normally be happening so maybe you should what people normally do to regulate their periods is go on birth control that was the option that was presented to me then of course my redeemed Christian Church of God mom was like Huh. birth control is for women so that was you're doing now and so that was a whole thing and so I just continued to suffer through my periods for a little bit um and so I just like I had painful periods literally I am 33 now I've had pain, painful periods all my, like basically all my adult life it was oh, when I was in law school in New York in my 20s that my friend Nosa actually used to be so extra about it. Like, oh, my friends were like the ones that even have issues because they're like, this cannot be normal. You can't be dying every single month. Like, you need to speak to somebody and like actually speak. And everybody knows that I'm, I'm hugely afraid of doctors. Like, I'm always just super nervous that, you know, when you go to your doctor is when you find out that you're dying or something like that. <laughs> so, so you don't never want to present that to them, which is hilarious because I'm married to a doctor now. But um, that is, <laughs> isn't that just random? Like, <laughs> see how God works. Yeah, but I feel like it's one of those yeah, things to keep your enemies yeah, close. I'm going to bring it into your life. <laughs> yes. you don't have it. I run away forever. I know, right? God is like, mm, take this one. So, but yeah, like, um, so it was. I think it was around that time in my 20s that I heard the words endometri- the word endometriosis for the first time. It, that's when it started to flow as a suggestion for what could be causing my period. But then I was told that, you know, you really can't get, like, you can't, it's not something that you can see in an ultrasound or, like, you know, through a regular checkup. And it's something that, oh, you might need surgery to be able to be officially diagnosed for. Like, I mean, who are you going to? Someone that's already scared of doctors. You're not going to tell them right. that on top of that go ahead and <laughs> let me open you up for your first surgery and then I'll find it. So I was like, okay, no, I'm, I'm good, love. And right. um, that's where, that's where it started to go. Then one of my friends, Buki, um, she also had painful periods. It used to be one of those things where we were actually neighbors. So every time I had my period, every time she had her period, she'd just come over and we'd stay in bed and just, you know, keep bleeding love. Because <laughs> at that point, you know, like misery loves company. And we both understood that. And I'm talking, like, when I say painful periods, right, I mean, everybody knows what level of pain is um, relatable to them, right? Some people are really great with tolerance. And some people, you don't even know that you're tolerating so much pain until you find out that 
hand, like regular pain medication isn't working for you anymore. Like over the, t- um, over the counter medication isn't working. And then I started having to get Percocet from like oh, when wow. I would go to urgent care for them to manage my period pains. And I mean, obviously per- Percocet is a narcotic. It's, yeah. It makes like you shouldn't. And first of all, my periods were going on for eight days at this point. So it's not something that anybody would be able to take Percocet for that long of a period. So it, it just, it really was not a good time. So it, I, it was around then that I decided that, okay, I was going to go back to the doctor and see if I could get on birth control, which they put me on. Now it brings me right about like maybe a year before I got engaged, like right before I got married. Um, they had just put me on a new birth control. And um, I think I was, I started off on it and then I bled for 60 days straight nonstop. What? It wasn't even, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even the birth control that was causing it. Sorry, right before that, the birth control that they had first put me on was giving me this splitting migraine and I literally could not leave my house. So they stopped that and then okay. I was switching to something else. I don't even remember what that, what the birth control was called. But um, I was bleeding for 60 days and I'm not talking like, you know, spotting or whatever, you know, the kind of thing where you're wearing like, I'm sorry if there's too much information, but like okay. multiple underwear and multiple pads multiple I wore two trousers on because it was so bad one day it was so bad that I was bleeding out of jeans oh my goodness yeah so I mean thankfully I had started dating my doctor friend then so he was like Mm. "Um, I think you should go to the emergency room this sounds like you're hemorrhaging which is what it was and um so then I ended up in at the doctor and had to stay there for a couple of days because they were trying to stop the bleeding and like that was when <laughs> I think that was when, for lack of a better word, the red flag came up. That okay, this is this can't be normal. This yeah. can't. Um. So yeah, like a year it takes me into the marriage now. So I I've taken this period pain in here as well, and it's always been at the back of my mind that okay, this is something that I might need to look into. And I think it's something that I want everybody to know. Like, even if you are uncomfortable with the idea of a doctor. It's really important for you to follow your gut, like go with it and don't let that fear cripple you into the, to missing out on possibly stopping something that could have longer term effects. Because right. I wish I had like I wish I had gotten this figured out way earlier because endometriosis is one of those. It's it, it it's degenerative in the sense that it could cause more trouble the longer it's there. And um, so it was maybe about a year and a half into my um marriage like I had mentioned I started to have something that now seemed a bit different my period pains my pains were localized to when my period was happening but um Mm -hmm. this month I would never forget it was October of 2014 when my best friend was getting married I was in Nigeria and um I started to have this kind of pain where I couldn't stand up and it wasn't during my periods like I just used to have like really sharp Whew, nightmarish pains that I have to bend over. You know, like when you have really bad gas mm-hmm. and it's pain. But this pain was not like just v- vibrating all over my tummy. So at first I was like, oh, it's gas, you know, because honestly, some of us are lactose intolerant but don't understand the word. Right. <laughs> you know, there's that. So honestly, I'm basically, I'm just really anti any, like, I, I don't follow rules and <laughs> what I'm supposed to do with my life. Yeah, I can tell. But, <laughs> Because, um, so I just assumed it was lactose intolerance because God knows I might have had cheese, pizza, ice cream. God knows what it could have been. But then it was going on and going on and going on for weeks. Like one time, um, one of my best friends was at um, 
in our house she had come to have a baby and her and her husband like we were just having a nice great time of you know involving wine as usual and I literally had to I just started um like I told him I had to leave because I didn't want to act a fool in front of them now so I went upstairs and I literally had to just lie down in one position because the pain was so much and I was not on my period so it wasn't something where I immediately thought oh period pains right so like and I literally had to text them and be like guys I don't think I'm coming back down I can't move it was then that I was decided, okay, I need to call my doctor. This is now ridiculous now. It could be anything, especially when you Google your symptoms and you find out that, okay, you have like three months to live. Yeah, Dr. So, Google. Yeah, Dr. Google is always terminal. So I was just, okay. <laughs> have you found that out too, right? Like it's, it's always. <laughs> it's always on the way out, something or the other. So yeah, I am. Um, to amputate something. <laughs> yes. Oh goodness, sorry, random, but I have I was say I I did a year in Paris, um, my last year of college, right? And um my French was already, let's go with the word hostile because it wasn't one of the things. And I think I had a yeast infection or something. That was my first time I ever had a yeast infection. So I Googled the symptoms and Google said that I had ovarian cancer. <laughs> oh my god. I went to the doctor. I couldn't even understand half of what they're saying because the French medical words were now a little bit too much for me. The woman gave me something and I was like, and she was like, oh, that they'll let me know what the result of the test was. Ha! Huh? God. I called my mom. I said, please go back to church. Pray, 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 pray. I am gone. The woman laughed at me when she found out what it was. <laughs> so yeah, Google's really difficult. So I, I called my doctor and, um, Sorry? No, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So I called my doctor, and he was actually not available. He said that he wasn't. He was on vacation, and he wasn't going to be back till um mid December. So I obviously had lost. I was so angry. Like he couldn't even tell me to see somebody else or refer me or even think of anything. But I guess the whole point is that they can't diagnose you with anything mm-hmm. over the phone. So I um found a doctor like ten minutes away from me. Who um I saw that he specialized in various like women's issues and specifically what they wrote there was endometriosis and I think PCOS so I was just like okay I don't I don't know if I have any of those but let me go and see him I think it took probably about 15 minutes into the um consult for the guy the way he looked at me I'll never forget what Dr. Hedding said to me he's like you have endometriosis and I'm like okay (laughs) fine I don't know much about it because I didn't even bother checking too much but he's like you have endometriosis and he's like I can't I can't only say I can't say for sure for sure but I'm going to do an ultrasound and I'll confirm and he did an ultrasound and they found um an eight centimeter cyst on my right ovary actually it had oh. it, yeah it looked more on my right ovary but it looked like it was on both and um he said it was filled with blood which is actually the reason why my stomach was now hurting because like obviously my, I was no longer I was no longer on my period but the blood had been backing in every time I had a period due to the endometriosis oh. what, and for those who don't know endometriosis is a condition that actually um scientists have found that it actually starts at the embryonic stage in other words when you are still an embryo you could oh, wow. already endometriosis so like you know how a lot of people say there's causes there might be causes there's a lot that's around endometriosis that people don't know you literally were born with it most likely you were born with it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. and endometriosis is one of those things where the um uterine cells i believe it is endometrial cells i apologize are growing in various parts of your body outside of where they're supposed to be growing so uh... when you have a period you have a period in all those places and and 
it's I think that's the easiest way to explain it. But obviously, it's more complex than that. But basically, okay. so like I've been, that's why you're having pains in your back. You're having pains in your. Some people even have endometriosis in their lungs, which can be really deadly. So oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, it can grow in a plethora of places, and that's a very scary part of it. So yeah, so basically, I had endometriosis. What he was telling me, and that, that was why. That was why I was feeling that way. And he's like, oh, I think you should have surgery soon, especially if it's something where you're considering having children. He said you can, obviously, you can try and um, maybe, you know, keep trying. Because I told him that, yeah, we were trying not to, like, we weren't trying, we weren't trying not to try, basically. So um, it had been about six months anyway. And so, you know, we were just thinking maybe it was just taking a little longer. He's like, well, he thinks I should do the surgery. So I did the surgery in December. When they opened me up, my endometriosis was everywhere. It was, um, they couldn't find my appendix. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Yes. Like the endometriosis had swallowed everything up. My right wow. eye had fused because of the endometriosis. Basically like gum, you know, and it's just everywhere. Yeah. So it, it was, hope, thankfully, they were able to save the appendix, even though we know it's a useless organ. But still, like... <laughs> It was, it was on my bowels, which is why it was mimicking like my lactose intolerance symptoms oh, as well. Because okay. then I was thinking, like, so basically, it was just everywhere. Sha. So the, he said okay. he had taken as much as he could, and he had taken as much of the cyst as possible without trying to damage my ovaries. Because you know, you think about these things, and you think that they're all like you know little things that are standing separate from each other, but everything is really kind of connected inside. If we're being honest, so he scraped, he took as much as he could off of the cyst as well but then left like maybe two centimeters there just so that I had like you know a good chance of trying to get pregnant and then after that I was told to recover and um then try for six for me they had said about I should try for six months to a okay. year and see if um I could get pregnant naturally and that he he was a bit concerned that because of the extent of the endometriosis that it was going to be difficult for me to get pregnant he told me that Okay. Because he says, like, you know, when, when you have surgeries and things like that, there's a lot going on in the scar tissue that forms after you've had this surgery. And then, you know, just when so much has been shaken up inside there, sometimes it could be difficult. He mm -hmm. said this has caused infertility in a lot of people. And so it's a it's a like when it's one of the um causes of infertility, basically. When you have infertility, one of the first things that they check for is endometriosis. Okay. So so yeah, so that was the whole point. So it was like um that I should go try and then that he is not an infertility specialist. So he would recommend me, they had recommended me. My husband was at Yale at that time. So it was through, it was at least in our network. So they had recommended me to a Yale fertility specialist. And I was like, okay, you know what? There's a reason why they have five heads in the first place. Now, if anything right. can happen, like they'll figure it out. So I, so I went to see, obviously, spoiler alert, we did not get pregnant. <laughs> and um, we went to see the fertility specialist and he looked, he told me to bring the um, pictures from my surgery because I had a whole, now, once you would, anybody that has been through infertility or, you know, like any kind of um, endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, any of those um, women's issues, you know that you always have a portfolio when you're going from doctor to doctor, if you have a condition, yeah. because it gets really tiring have, <laughs> having to explain and nobody's going to even review without seeing your your background right so, yeah so I took my portfolio <laughs> to um this new doctor and he was just like yeah that this that he doesn't know how I'm going to do and that he thinks that we should start opening our minds towards a, like um assisted reproduction 
like I like any kind of accessory, whether it's a hormonal or then before you start getting into the big boys like IUI and then IVF. Right. So um, as things would work out, we were moving to a completely different state um, due to a new job um, during that period. So we said, OK, you know what? There's nothing God cannot do. So let's just keep trying. Like, let's let that be the story. Do you know what I mean? Like, OK, they told us we're going to start this. So let's just keep trying and um, we'll see how it goes. And maybe before we even get a new doctor in this new place, you'll be pregnant or whatever. So we just kept going and i think anybody that has infertility knows that thing hope is one of those oof, hope is hope is necessary but at the same time it's also like you know it can be very very <laughs> dangerous for lack of a yeah. better word, in the sense that just keep hoping that this next cycle is going to be the difference and um so we moved in 2015 to pennsylvania and i started looking for somebody immediately because now we were um three years into our marriage and uh, one of the reasons I was really excited to talk about this on your podcast is that I know that it's Africans and Nigerians, so they know that nuisance that people can be when you've been a period into your marriage. Even if <laughs> this period could even be two months into the marriage and everybody starts talking. Ah, it's like, ah, so ah. When I, when, don't you want children? Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, you know, your parents want to carry their grandchildren. Ah, people not ready. What is the matter? Da, 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 all kinds of comments. Okay. Unsolicited, mostly. Um, yeah, exactly. That's the worst. Because you do even open this conversation for people to people to talk about it. And so it's even one of those things where it just becomes like a complete um like a complete nuisance. I'm sorry. And like people will now be saying things like, You're so selfish. Like you're not even going to like let your mommy carry her baby. You know that she's been waiting or things like that. And it's almost like, are you serious? Do you what do you think this is? Right. And, um, and we we weren't telling people that we're trying. We weren't even telling our parents then that we we're trying. So it, it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, you're keeping this huge secret that some things might not be right. My mom, my mom, my our entire family knew that I did the endometriosis surgery. So I'm thinking, I know in the back of their heads at least they already started, you know, being a bit apprehensive so maybe that's also part of it in their own end too is like they know that okay i hope you're not waiting now or please or like you know you have this thing and then um it just kept going and so we, i met it i found a new doctor thankfully and um things started to proceed from there so yeah so i saw the new doctor i went to dr sobo and he had seen my like the other doctors who had seen the result of my surgery and he's like okay i'm not going to lie to you but this looks extensive so i think we should start considering other things but like we're going to start with something called a clomid um therapy barry i don't know if you're familiar with that i know you also yeah 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 so so not bad actually well pharmacist was like oh have you taken clomid and i'm like um you're not my doctor so please do not recommend oh my god (laughs) The pharmacist is like, well, I mean, they, they're the ones that know the drugs, but like, I, I, like the fact that they're also suggesting, it means that, you know, everybody's yeah. at this point. <laughs> that, yeah. That's another thing. Because when you start hearing the information from other people, you're like, wait, you're not my doctor. My doctor yeah. has the plans here. Please don't interrupt my, like, this is the plan. Yeah. To so, um, so yeah, so they gave me the clomid therapy because um, actually when I found, when I got there, they told us that the, um, like any... I can't remember what it was, but like our insurance wasn't going to cover 
anything like IUI or IVF. So okay. he, but they were like, oh, they will be able to do the Clomid. Well, I can't remember what it's called, but the Clomid therapy process. And um, that should do the trick. Well, okay. So we did the Clomid and I was really hopeful, which is what I was getting on about hope in the first place is that you get so, like you get so invested in everything because you think this is the one, this is it, this is it, this is what's going to work. And so, um, so we did the Clomid therapy. We did that. It didn't, it didn't work. And then um, as usual, I was, I found myself in several two week waits, just constantly and constantly and constantly. And then he's like, okay, Kumbi, let's be real here. Based on the extent of your surgery and also because of your history with endometriosis, I think that we should try, what he said is that I think we should try IVF. I do not okay. think that IUI is going to work. Also, I apologize. Also, what, what they had done was something called a hysterosalpinogram, which is known as HSG, where they check your tubes to make sure that they're not blocked. And so okay. they, um, it's basically they inject dye into your tubes to see if it's free flowing. That way, obviously, they they know whether or not to waste their time because obviously, in a situation where maybe your tubes are permanently like or at least fully blocked, they can suggest whatever what the possible avenues are for you if it's going to be IVF or something else. So they did check, and both my um, tubes, I believe, one and both my tubes were. One, it was one and a half, but they were able to clear one with the dye. So okay. um, both tubes were moving, but there was something that they noticed was that my right ovary wasn't really responding to much, like through the, like, you know, when they were tra tracking of um, what's called generation of follicles and things like that, my right ovary wasn't really doing anything. And obviously that um, was where the big cyst was. So they were already a bit apprehensive about that. Like, okay, this doesn't seem to be working too well. They also did a couple of blood tests to find out what my levels were. The, this is where you start hearing words like FSH, AMH, basically your ability to produce eggs and uh, your ability to produce healthy eggs. And unfortunately, my AMH, which was one of the numbers, was pretty low. So they said that I didn't really have much egg reserve um, left or whatever. So that was something to bear in mind. So based on all this information, they had suggested that I should move on with IVF because in their opinion, time was of the essence. Right. And that's how we found ourselves um, at our first IVF cycle, which um, then ended up not working because based on all, they were giving me a full dose of hormones, like a full dose of hormones, and still, like, my body wasn't responding. Wow. I just, yeah, I produced one egg. <laughs> one. And so they converted it midway into um an IUI cycle and of course uh -huh. as you know, my hope was there I was like okay so you know maybe this is a story that I'm not supposed to like it was during my IVF that I decided to convert it into an IUI and that's how I got pregnant like you're always thinking about the story at the end like oh like, yeah make it and then I'll be able to say that this is how like this is I'm pregnant now I'm I'll be right. able to say that I'm done anyways this went on for three years <laughs> I had several I IVF cycles like one after the other after the other and nothing was coming out of it in fact at one point midway we were we successfully got two eggs during the IVF cycle and mm -hmm. those two eggs were of medium quality as as based on what they I mean based on what they're what they told me I don't know much about that but mm -hmm. um 
they they would transfer two eggs, two embryos, sorry, two embryos every time, and still nothing would take. And so it just came became this thing that at the at the midpoint, the doctors even had to tell me that they needed to take a break and they wanted to um come up with a different strategy and like see what my suggestions were, like see what my options were, because it really got to that point. And I think that in itself is the infertility story in the sense that it just became a truly, truly heart-wrenching experience for everybody involved, from me to my husband, even to our family members, to be honest. Because yeah, it just came, it's a lot to take. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And even for them, it's just even the reason why I mentioned them is that I'm sure even them, they were tired of being like, don't worry, don't worry. It will come, it will come, it will come. And yeah. So that that's that's my story in a nutshell, because then it was um in 2017, I was on IVF cycle four. And mm-hmm. um, then things, I, I honestly can't even pinpoint if something changed or if anything got better. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's been so many plug-ins, plug-outs and things like that. Um, we had done another cycle and um, we this time we had frozen the embryos instead like frozen them for a little bit so that my body could rest. Okay. Yeah, my body could rest before they attempted again to now try and transfer one, just one embryo into my body. And okay. that embryo, that one embryo, was the embryo that that took and changed my life for absolutely forever. And I get really emotional thinking about it. But in April of 2017, for the first time in my life, I saw a positive pregnancy test and um, now I'm a parent to a one and a half year old boy that is just the light of my life. The light of my life. So that is my story. <laughs> Sorry. Aww. Oh, it's okay. Like I'm here tearing up too because I know that. I know that feeling. And Aura is such a beautiful, handsome little man. He's so, like, I like seeing when you post his photos or his videos and his smile. He, his smile is just breathtaking. Sorry yeah. to take his <laughs> words, but he's just breathtaking. Yeah, and honestly. Just, like, he, the way he just cheeses and, like, it's like, yeah. wow. <laughs> no, when he smiles, he smiles like from here to here, from yes. one end of the world to the other end. Yeah. Uh, but thank God, though, thank God, because I know, I know what that has been like. I, mine was definitely not as involved as yours. I mean, I had a failed IUI, and I really understand, you know, having that hope and you know, formulating the story in your head, like, oh, okay, so oh, I'm going to tell them that. You know, we went to the IUI and then and this is how I got pregnant. And then, nope. Yes. Like, I understand that. So, wow. 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 Thank you so much. Like, (laughs) I didn't even. (laughs) Okay. So, I had another question. Um, You. You you shared everything that happened. I think it was a couple of a few months before you had your baby mm-hmm. on your blog. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to come out with it with your story? Well, okay, so I'm I'm religious, right? And it's one of those things where over the course of my like of the journey, I was sure that 
okay, God, listen, uh, if this works out, like if we actually ever get pregnant, because, you know, and honestly, there was many points where I was sure that I was not going to be able to have my baby naturally or have like, you know, I was sure that I was going to have to seek like completely back to parenthood at this point. And like I'm saying, you know, it's not as if I was really even into children like that. So I was like, okay, you know what, either way, like whatever my, at one point or the other, we're going to stop because this is becoming ridiculous. But at the same time, I was like, okay, God, as as I got deeper and deeper into it, I, I was like, you know what, I know that I want a child now. I really know that I want a child, especially when you go through this journey. You're, you're like, nah, this thing is going to have to end with a child somehow, some way that like, can't keep going this way because it, it's so like, it's so wavy in the sense that it's up and down up and down your body's going through so much so I was like god right. let's if I make it through this I'm going to like I am going to testify I'm going to let yeah. everybody know and then also more than anything else I've been pretty open about like a lot of things in general like I'm I'm, I'm a pretty candid person but at the same time when it comes because of the way I the publication that I ran and it was always about sharing people's stories and sharing the um sharing their weddings, sharing, you know, the happy moments, things like that. When I was going through this whole crazy period, I was like, you know what, everybody needs to know that life is not just about like the happy. There's there's stuff that goes on with it. And it was also increasingly frustrating for me that as a Nigerian woman trying to get pregnant, I the outside factors they are going through in terms of like the pressure from other people the in, like insensitive comments that you get I just knew that I was there was no way I wasn't going to speak up or mm-hmm. like share that I was going through this also because most importantly because I could not find people going through the same thing that I was going through and it was lonely it was so lonely I had a friend who um she and I were going through the IVF process together so at least I had her and then I had spoken to another friend of mine Tito and so it was like you know everybody had like snippets of their own story to like happily ever after or story to like like you know feeling like their own infertility story but like you know it's it's it was hard to find though because it's such it's something that you just do when you like don't tell anybody you please or like huh don't let anybody know about your like you're pregnant don't say anything which obviously i respect everybody's decision to do it however they want because honestly the fact that you're still standing through this whole process it's it's a miracle in itself and you're a warrior in your own right so however you choose to handle your own story if you want to be quiet on the second the child is 18 that's your business because at the end of the day you know what you've gone through to get that child so i didn't have a problem with that but i just knew that there was one thing I've always been lucky about, even with like, you know, Isle Perfect and everything is I've always been able to find my tribe on this same Donald Trump's internet. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's always been like that if I am going through it, I know somebody out there is also going through it. And so it was important for me to share even before, oh, my mother was just losing her mind. That, uh, this- <laughs> no, hey, my, there's nobody my mommy did not call. There's nobody my mother did not call to report to me that Kumbi is trying talk to, to bring... talk to Kumbi. Please talk, talk to her. Maybe she can see reason. It's not everything <laughs> on that Facebook. It's not. And I'm like, okay, sis, let's stop first. I didn't put it on Facebook. But like it's it's like she and I understood obviously at the same time. I'm her first child. She my mom during this yeah. process became even closer because 
like this was her problem. In, not in the sense that yeah. her daughter was hurting. It wasn't even about the baby anymore. Her daughter was hurting and she was hurting. Just like it was for the same thing for my sister. Like my sister, you would have thought that my sister was the one that was doing this um, procedure. At the way that she was researching, she even joined forums to be talking to all these people. Mm-hmm. And so it, it became a whole thing. So I really wanted to encourage somebody out there and let them know the... Like I, I never, I knew that I wasn't going to hide it once I got pregnant. It was just a matter of when I was going to share the story and when I knew that at least my parent, my mom would be comfortable enough. Up or not, she still was not comfortable. At the end of the day, she moved on because the next day after she had reported me to everybody, she now came back and called me. I was like, as long as it glorifies God, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> then she's okay. But like, it was really important for me to find and reach other people that were going through it because I don't want anybody to ever feel that loneliness that I felt. That I and you know what, like I, I completely understand that because when I when we started trying to get pregnant and it wasn't happening as quickly as I thought, mm-hmm. um, I think I casually mentioned it to a friend and or a, a guy friend though. And the fact that he talked about um, ovulation trackers, I was like, wait, the fact that you are talking about as a guy in Nigeria, talking mm-hmm. about ovulation trackers, it means that you guys are probably going through the same thing that I'm going through, exactly. right? And then I spoke to another friend of mine and she talked about, she said the same thing. I was like, wait, okay, so it's more than one or two or three people though. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people who are going through the same thing, but people just don't talk about it. And then, why aren't we talking about it? Like, why is there this, um, I don't know, culture of shame around it? I feel like that's what um, African society kind of puts on you, like a shame that, you know, you can't get pregnant as quickly or as easily as other people. Mm. And I think that was one of the driving forces of me deciding to go on YouTube to talk about I mean, I didn't know when I was going to get pregnant. At that point in time, like, even my husband was still in Nigeria, I think, when I made the video. Mm-hmm. I posted on YouTube that, listen, I have been trying to get pregnant for a year plus, And I've had the IUI. The IUI failed. And I shared because I'm like, I'm sure there are other people out there who are feeling the same thing. As, and they just yeah. don't have that platform. They don't have the ability to talk about it. There are probably people who, you know, have nobody to talk to. to, talk to but you know what? If you want to talk to me, talk to me and the number of messages that i received afterwards i wasn't doing it to get any attention or to get glory or to get mm-hmm. be popular or whatever no it was just there are people out there who are suffering and you should not suffer alone right yeah uh, this brings me to your platform that you have just Yay. um had. the t t FC is that what it is? Yeah, <laughs> it's TTFC because nothing that involves Kumbi cannot have a curse word in it. But um, <laughs> um yeah, tell us so, more about it, please. So yeah, TTFC is just basically a play on the acronym TTC, which is for those it's deep inside trying to conceive, they would know that that's exactly what it means. It's basically just mm-hmm. it's called trying to freaking conceive because at the end of the day, that exhaustion that comes with it is mm-hmm. real like every single month like you don't even need to have a condition do you know what i mean which is even more frustrating when they start telling you that there's nothing wrong with you like you know like, there's nothing, no, nothing wrong with me. <laughs> yeah 
you see do you see what i'm saying like when they tell you that it's unexplained it's just part of life do you know what i mean like just it just it's, just a, it's a waiting game it's a matter of time like even that can be even more frustrating because you know like at least i'm able to call my own demon by name do you know what i mean like right. i i that I have endometriosis. It's 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 unfortunate because it's its own thing. And if anybody wants to learn more about endometriosis, I did um a podcast episode on it. If you check the preferred podcast on Apple, sorry, this is not a plug per se. It's just that I know oh, that. Plug, plug it, <laughs> okay, I no, like um I had done this interview with this um doctor, a pelvic pelvic pain expert in New York, um Dr. Tayaba Ahmed, and it's so helpful so helpful i wish i had had that information from the beginning so if you search perfect podcast in the apple store you should be able to find that episode but yeah like so even like it's even worse when you now stop hearing or if you've even had a baby before and now you're trying for baby number two and they're telling you that it's just secondary unexplained infertility like i'm sorry bish what like what do you mean it was completely okay the first time one of a friend of mine actually was telling me about how you know she um she's trying for a second baby and now they're telling her that oh she might have some kind of you know um blood thing or blood issue and it's like okay but that wasn't a problem the first time so you know there's many faces of infertility there's many faces and then a lot of times even a lot of people a lot of women are out there that might possibly have male factor infertility in which it's the husband that might have some issues and at the same time they don't have a tribe or they don't have somebody that they can talk to and i just think i've been i've been in this like state of mind since I keep saying April of 2017 because that was that was that was the time like things changed. I found I was pregnant the next month. But like I've been on this state of mind where it's like, oh my God, I need to figure out what like there's a purpose in this. Do you know what I mean? There's a right. reason why I haven't been able to get pregnant. There's a reason why like it's not working. There's a reason why I'm going through this. Because honestly, if you can't find a reason sometimes you can almost run mad. Do you know? Like it's like you have to like justify it in a way. Yeah, and so that's where TTFC came from. I was talking to if I had shared something, and, and literally, I'm one of those spur of the moment people, um, where like if something is in my mind, I literally either need to let it go or I need to try and do something about it. Yeah, and um, I was talking. I had shared something in my Insta stories on Instagram, um, about how black women have found black women the stats I the success stats are a bit lower compared to white women for um fresh IVF transfers and that but they found success in frozen transfers um at a higher rate and at a more comparable rate to white women it was something that I had just seen on Instagram something because I follow a lot of infertility webs <laughs> Instagram you guys don't understand what I'm talking about this is why it was such it was important for me like during the two week wait for to find out if my IVF I'm um, sorry with my um pregnancy had taken I was checking hashtags on Instagram. Like I was checking hashtags that said things like 5DPDT, which means five days post, five day transfer, four days mm. post. I was checking every day to see if people had similar symptoms to me. That's how desperate I was for a tribe. I was desperate to talk to someone that could understand. Like, mm-hmm. because during that period, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. You're going to sit down and just be like, like you, the whole world could be moving on around you, but your life is, you're, it's literally one whole holding your breath where you're just waiting right. to find out whether or not this took like i literally cannot i couldn't make plans because i'm like oh i don't know if i'll be able to travel then i might be pregnant for right. years of my life that was always my answer to something oh i don't know if i can go now because i might be pregnant so like i really was just desperate to find some way some solution for all of us to be able to talk to get talk 
to each other, especially when you come from communities where it's this, like silence is the culture or shame is the culture. Like being able to get pregnant should be, never be a source of shame for anybody, period. Because neither it's not only is it by force, do you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day that I do not have to provide you with children, but that if I choose that this is how I want to, like if I want to have children, then it's it's my choice, you know what I mean? And it's 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 my situation and I should never have to find shame in it regardless of however I find the solution. So it's 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 one of those things where I wanted women to be able to have that conversation. And then for the women that, you know, obviously did want to have children, to be able to have a conversation with somebody else and, you know, like talk to them and see if, you know what, did you guys have this similar problem? What were your solutions? Because some things aren't in medical books at the end of the day. Some things like you would find when you become a mom is that even sometimes you find more information from mommy groups because at the end of the day, somebody out there has been through exactly the same thing that you have been through. And I thought yeah. that's the reason, that's the whole essence of TTFC. Okay. I love Sorry. that. So where, <laughs> can, <laughs> where can people um, sign up to join TTFC? Okay, so um, I'm actually going to activate this before this episode goes live, but um, you can actually sign up at ttfcnow.com which just basically says trying to freaking conceive now don't tell me tomorrow don't tell me next i just need to get pregnant so um like you can sign up there there's a um, link there for you to sign up for um the newsletter so that you can receive information once it the forum and the group actually opens up right now i was taking um polls from different people to see what they were most comfortable about because you know that's another thing navigating this ter- territory in a community that's already shouted in secrecy is that right. you to make sure that it's comfortable for most people like many people are, want to remain anonymous things like that so i'm ironing out the kick um, the kinks i apologize but visit tcfcnow.com and then you'll be able to sign up and don't worry come you can move at your own pace you don't need to expose anything if you do not want to you are home you finally found a tribe it's okay and you can also follow ttfc tribe on instagram perfect Perfect. Thank you so much for being like this was therapeutic. Ah. <laughs> Did you hear that style? Just like ah, just like a breath of like okay, I can like wow. Yeah. It's it's a lot and it's 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 something like I know you know, so you know you know the scars that people don't see outside from the from what you've been through so i know that a lot of people are holding their breath in general and if somebody's listening now and is triggered completely but yeah. it's okay because it's going to be okay yeah yeah everyone everyone who's listening it's going to be fine it's going to be fine you're definitely you're not alone thank <laughs> you for creating this platform for women who are going through all this not just women right like can men join as well oh yes definitely it's not it's not it's not just for women like infertility is not just a woman's like i said like there's male factor as well and at the end of the day like and especially if in situations where you're in a couple too like you go through this whole process like my husband would tell you that he, he like even he i feel like he has ptsd as well because you invest so much emotion in the whole up and down of negative positive or even worse you like you know you you even get that hope and it's like oh this is happening and then you miss like you know you lose the baby in some way or the other there's a lot that goes into infertility there's many faces so it's definitely gender neutral as well 
Yeah, you know, sometimes like, I just talked about him, your husband. I, I remember the, I think, was it a photo or a video of him on the yeah. floor crying? Oh, God. Like, I've never seen him cry like that before. Like, he just, his face was soaked. I, obviously, yeah. there was no sense in that period for me to even, like, you know, stop and take a video because I truly yeah. didn't know. Like, <laughs> I did not know where, what, like, we actually had a pregnancy test before for another cycle that we actually read wrong and thought it was positive. So since then, like we were just like super, like, you know, is it Russia? Right. Russia. So I didn't, that moment, he just passed out on the floor and was weeping. Yeah. 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 Well, infertility is definitely not just a woman's problem. It's about the man as well, but thank you can be so much for sharing. Like um, it's, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I thank you so much for giving me this time. And thank you, God, for allowing this phone call to finally happen. <laughs> thank God, right? Oh, I'm glad it did. It was, it's really yes, I, was like, I was like, the powers that be are not allowing us. What is going oh, wow. on? God, I hope it's not my mommy that was trained. We need to share. We need to have you know, these conversations, we need to come out, we need to speak up and speak out and speak loud. Because something, yeah, because something that you've been through can help somebody else, can stop that person from completely losing themselves. So. Exactly, exactly. So once again, thank you for me so much. Listen, everybody, you guys follow her online and um, on her, on her, on, on Instagram and on her website. I'll put all her information in the show notes, which I've hey. never done before really i should do that guru kumbi you're not giving me enough um, okay don't worry i always forget about the show notes but i will have all her information in the show notes thank you again kumbi i really Thanks. enjoyed our conversation please give Ari a very very big hug for me i will i will from coco as well yes, and please give coco a big kiss when she feels better uh, she's already feeling better after pouring grape juice all over my car today. <laughs> I'm just like, see, you, you're lucky that you're not feeling well. If not, you'd have to this grape juice from my car. <laughs> so enjoy the rest of your day and thank you again so much. Thanks, love. Have a great day. Uh, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. Out of everything you could be doing, you chose to spend the time with me and I am truly grateful. Please follow us on social media at Mommy Oyoyo, which is M-O-M-M-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to send us feedback and suggestions that way or via our email at mommyoyoyo at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast on your favorite podcast players. Rate and review the podcast. And finally, don't keep this goodness to yourself. Share the Mommy Oyoyo podcast with your friends, your family, your co-workers, and more. The Mommy Oyoyo podcast. Sharing experiences of African motherhood. Mommy Oyoyo. Mommy Oyoyo. Mommy Oyoyo. See you next time.